Hello, and welcome to episode two of Weimar Fashion Made in Germany, part of the German Fashion History Podcast. Now, while last week was really all about understanding the basis of how the Weimar Republic was founded by exploring its illustrious artistic and cultural movements, this week is going to discuss street hawking, street style in particular, the coded fashions of sex workers, and the concept of the emancipated neue Frau, or new woman. As we reviewed last week, Berlin was once considered the cleanest city in the world and was turned into a quote-unquote carnival because of its Weimar-era paper revolution of posters, other signage, and street literature. In addition to this, you would street hawkers lining boulevards and crowding pedestrian traffic. Another thing you would see is unemployed World War I veterans often turning to the street trade. Their war-torn bodies were in sharp contrast to the patriotic images and postcards they sold at cafes and on streets. This also posed questions about the morality of the economy during war and peace. Now, from demobilization, deregulation, and an unprecedented refugee crisis, the instability only intensified. One would expect to find many Eastern European refugees also hawking the streets and living in areas such as the Scheunenviertel. This was a diverse community of immigrants, poor and working class people. The neighborhood was often a target for anti-Semitic attacks. If one were to walk in this area on an, on an everyday, you would find, quote, Military caps, silk coats, open collars, caftans, curled side locks, and full beards were visible in the crowd. 70 to 80 gambling tables occupied doorways, building blocks, and even sidewalks and streets. So this is just to give you an understanding of what the dress and fashions were like in this particular underrepresented community. Now, another major contributor to the street style of Weimar-era Berlin were sex workers. While sex work was legal, police forbade, quote, standing and walking around in an offensive manner, unquote. So they would peruse around display windows, lock gazes, and sing suggestive songs. Now, the clothing was really tailored to this each district's class composition. So depending on the finery of garments would indicate price. Black became a common color because it indicated an actual marital status. And this was really left over from a post-World War I and 19th century notion of widow's weeds or mourning clothing. Mourning dresses helped sex workers safely conform into city crowds. Now, male sex workers had their own system for flagging. And please note that while I am saying female and male, I also mean implicit in this is there's multiple genders and gender nonconforming people that were a part of this trade. 
So for male sex workers, you often could find either A, an open collar, which signaled they were doing this out of need and not desire. Schoolboy hats implied a youthful innocence. Makeup and gaudy clothes conveyed that you were a professional sex worker. Now, one element that all people working in this trade had in common was the wearing of leather boots, which indicated SM or sadomasochism. And for specific fetishes, one would wear a special color of leather or lace. And I'm mentioning all of this because the luck side of Berlin, the fashion houses and the glamorously styled movie stars were just one side of the fashion culture. But we also have to talk about everyday dress and the people that were either making or selling these coveted 20s fashions at department stores or hawking them on the street. So when you think of 20s era Berlin fashion, don't just think of waves and waves of flappers buzzing around Kufürstendamm in their cloches and dropped waist dresses, but think of the underrepresented communities and what they were wearing and how they were expressing their style. The fact that black mourning dress, once a symbol of this idea of being dignified and honoring a loved one was appropriated for something completely different is really emblematic of all the the multiple stories and accounts that need to be explored in studying Weimar era fashion. And these communities were just a part of this story as the coveted trends found in magazines, the flappers, and this andro-chic aesthetic, which is often associated with 20s Berlin fashion. Weimar-era sex workers in particular have a countless source, have been a countless source of inspiration, even up until today, for the LGBTQ plus communities and in their aesthetic. It's also been referenced, their style has also been referenced in films and in TV shows like American Horror Story and so on. So needless to say, their contribution to the fashions of today is quite massive. While last week we explored literature of the era from the likes of Alfred Döblin's Berlin Alexanderplatz, This week, we're going to talk about Irmgard Coyne's The Artificial Silk Girl from 1932, which was a diary-style novel that was really accounting the last days before the Weimar era crumbled and ended. Side note, this book was the initial inspiration for this podcast, so I really recommend you go and pick it up. I think it's wonderful, beautifully written, and interesting primary source for understanding the connections between fashion, literature, and the idea of the new woman, which we're going to talk about soon. So this book depicts the life of Doris. She's a young secretary from Cologne aspiring to become an actress. She escapes her humdrum life with her alcoholic father and then takes a train to Berlin in pursuit of her dreams. The following is an excerpt of a conversation she has with a friend in the book. Quote, I was in Kuhfürstendamm. What do you see? 
I have seen lots of colors there. I saw men standing at the corner selling perfume without a coat and a pert face and a gray cap on and posters with naked women and rosy girls and nobody looking at them. Restaurants with more chrome than an operating room. They even have oysters there and famous photographers with photos and showcases displaying enormous people without any beauty and sometimes with well, what else do you see? What else? I see swirling lights, the light bulbs right next to each other, women without veils with hair blown into their faces. That's the new hairstyle. It's called windblown. And the corners of their mouths are like actresses before they take on a big role. And black furs and fancy gowns underneath and shiny eyes. And they're either a black or blonde cinema. Cinemas are primarily blonde, and I'm moving right along with them, with my fur that's so gray and soft. My feet are racing. My skin is turning pink. The air is chilly, and the lights are hot. I'm looking. I'm, I'm looking. My eyes are expecting the impossible. But I'm dying to eat something wonderful, like a rump steak, brown, and with white horseradish and pomme frites. And the people at KDV, it's so big and with clothes and gold and many elegant little dogs on leashes at the door waiting for ladies shopping inside, end quote. So FYI, when she references KDV, she means Kaufhaus des Vestens. Now this was a renowned luxury department store that still exists today, much like Harrods of London or in New York, we have Bergdorf Goodman and Saks Fifth Avenue. And just like these department stores, it's very emblematic of a locational history and a legacy that was built up upon it. And it's still open today, as I'd mentioned. It's really massive. It's about 60,000 square meters with an average of 30 to 40,000 visitors a day. Now, Doris's account of Berlin, but also her existence as this young, independent, ambitious woman in awe of city life is really evocative of another concept we're going to explore the neue Frau, or the new woman. Because we really can't talk about fashion without addressing her. So who was this new woman, neue Frau? Well, she originated from English and American literature of the late 1880s, with an enthusiasm for sports, skating, tennis, and cycling. She wore pantaloons and later a reform dress, she was a mixture of fear and fascination. This emancipated woman of the middle and upper classes eventually would go to college and accepted positions and offices, only to then eventually possibly get married. Now, in the 1920s, the Neue Frau came into usage in German culture and as a stereotype of symbols of the modern times. So enter really into your head every notion of flapper from the great Gatsby, the silent era star Louise Brooks, or even a party city costume. And you have the scaffoldings of this problematic archetype, which we'll explore later. The new woman, the neue Frau, or the flapper. Now, by 1925, 
A third of Germany's population dwelled in cities while the rest lived in rural areas of villages. And the new woman was very much a part of the statistics. Doris from The Artificial Silk Girl is an archetype of this young, ambitious, fairly emancipated woman wrapped into Weimar Berlin's popular culture through film, dance, amongst other mediums. The Neue Frau was captivating, and like a flaneur, she was both an objectified artifact and an observer of modern life, or like a painter of modern life. Her liberated style, bobbed hair, makeup, skirts above the knees, and outfits that hid her bust, waist, and hips really defined her style. And like Weimar-era films, of the time, like Pinkhaus Schuhpalast, which we'll talk about next week's episode, it was her legs that showcased a whole new sense of erotic intrigue. But she was also really the architect of her own destiny, or at least sartorially speaking, she was. And as the fashion journalist of the time, Johanna Thal, observed, she was both the spectator and practitioner of women's fashion. She said, quote, It is difficult to generalize about what is beautiful and desirable and what should be avoided. Because sartorial beauty no longer depends only on the, quote, judgment of the observers, unquote, but also the individuality of the wearer. So male sociologists... Doctors and psychologists increasingly saw this new woman, Neue Frau, as a threat, and particularly because of the masculinization of women. In a 1931 essay from Die Dame, a popular fashion magazine, they say, quote, Men have never acknowledged that they are simply unsympathetic to our needs, that our intellectuality is a form of self-projecting against a thousand futile pains. They say, quote, you are too intellectual and thus express what they believe is unnatural or ab abnormal. For us, however, there remains the consciousness of our intellectuality and of men is a great misunderstanding. So I think when the author of this, I believe it was Johanna Tal, says this, I, she's referring to us as the new woman. She is the new woman. And we're going to explore this in later episodes, the unique connection between this new woman female dandy and the idea of this new wave of feminism as well as this perspective of being a painter of modern life and fashion fashion journalism was really a great segue into this theme and conversation now as the celebrated scholar author and historian anna friedberg asserted it was the rise of department stores and modern cinema that provided more freedoms for middle-class women, even if it was connected to consumerism. The Neue Frau could roam the streets on her own, and this was really since the late 19th century in which museum visits, tourism, shopping, and going to movies were acceptable activities for women. But it was in the teens and 20s of the Weimar era where we really see this come into fruition. 
which Silke Irmgard's characters like Doris, or we'll later explore Gilgi from Gilgi One of Us in our later episodes, quite aptly illustrate. Because it was film and its sense of escapism and freedom which realized the notion of the Neue Frau. Now, in our next episode, we'll talk about film and fashion while continuing to explore this notion of the Neue Frau, new woman, or as you could say, a flaneur, dandy, as an observer of modern life through the eyes of fashion journalism. And I'd just like to say a very special thank you for listening to episode two. For show notes and other sources, you can go to the episode link for the blog. And if you really like some of the themes discussed today, please check out Women in Weimar Fashion by Mila Geneva. You can find this on Amazon for $23.40. It's a really great source and um, also great for if you're really into, obviously, like Weimar era film and silent film. Thank you so much, and I'll see you soon.